Welcome to the Mama Fit Podcast, Birth Story Friday. In this episode, Jessica is going to be sharing her unmedicated vaginal breech birth story in a hospital setting. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mommy Fit Podcast. In this birth story, Jessica is be sharing her vaginal breech birth story. So we're definitely really excited to hear your story. And thank you so much for being here, Jessica. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm very excited. (laughs) So let's get into how you were preparing for birth. So obviously, baby was breached at birth. And so there was probably a lot that you had to go through throughout your pregnancy to find a provider that would even support a vaginal breech birth. So let's just dive into all of that. Yeah. Okay. So I found out she was breached. I think she was breached like every ultrasound that we went to. But the one that like sticks out is the 28 week. One where I was like, okay, I know she's breached, but I know I have some time. And still I had this feeling and I remember telling my midwife and she was like, you have time. But I had this feeling like she's going to be breached till the end. I had actually switched. I I had um, a group of five midwives, but they birthed in the hospital. And that was my my practice uh, originally. And then I, I really wanted a home birth. <laughs> so I hired a home birth midwife. And I had like two or three meetings with her before I decided (laughs) that that was actually too stressful to be in my own house. Um, And then I unhired her. And part of the reason was that I had found out that she was breached and I had that feeling. And so I thought I discussed with her, you know, what would we do if it was a breach home birth? And she basically said she wasn't super comfortable with it and she would have to bring in another midwife that maybe she knew, maybe they were available. It was kind of like this, we'll see when it happens. And I wasn't really comfortable with that <laughs> either. So I went back to my original providers. Then at the very, very end, I found it was a needle in a haystack. It was a, I'm in Connecticut and it was a hospital in Pennsylvania that trains in breach the only thing I had ever found that was close to being trained in breach delivery. And I contacted them at 37 and five, I think. And so I was trying to switch. I was actually like in the process of switching my records to them and trying to get a consult. I'd spoken to them on the phone, but we hadn't had like an official, you're our client now. And then I went into labor. (laughs) Oh, no. I still had my providers and I was discussing this option with them. Like we're trying to travel to Pennsylvania. We were trying to get there before she was born. We were just going to go like a week in advance. I talked to a woman in New York who did that. So I was like, it's totally possible. We could do it. Like, I believe it's going to work. But she came at 39 weeks exactly. So we ended up, I tried to convince my husband to drive to Pennsylvania first. 
<laughs> so we did that for 45 minutes. In labor. Yeah, in labor. We did that for 45 minutes. And then he said, this is an awful idea. Like, can we turn around? I said, yes. So <laughs> we ended up back with my midwife's practice in the hospital, which is, um, it's Yale in Connecticut. So let's get into your birth story. So at 39 weeks, you did not drive to Pennsylvania. You decided we to stay not. in Connecticut for your birth. So how did your birth go? Yeah, it went amazing. <laughs> It was really like a birth dream come true. I almost still can't believe that it happened the way that it did. But I woke up with some cramps like in the middle of the night. I teach dance. So I was teaching the night before. I I was supposed to (laughs) stop, you know, teaching at this point. And I kept being like, I feel fine. I feel fine. I still feel fine. You know, we'll keep going. And I taught until like 830 the night before I went into labor. (laughs) Yeah, I was just at home in bed and I felt like some cramping. And I remember thinking like, oh, this could be something or not. And I realized that my phone was dead because I went to check the time. (laughs) And I I had enough like wherewithal to be like, you know, I should charge my phone (laughs) Um, if this really is real labor. And I just like went to bed and I felt maybe one other crampy situation, nothing intense. And then I felt my water break. It's probably 536. I'm not sure what time but I was like laying in bed and I knew that that was it because I had previously gone to the hospital for what I thought was my water breaking but was just like really hydrated pee (laughs) oh the worst (laughs) they tested it for amniotic fluid and everything and they were like yeah no (laughs) just pee yeah and that was like that was a day after uh, an ECV that I had so it could have made sense that you know that what happened but yeah I didn't well good on you for being so hydrated that you couldn't tell <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think so too um most pregnant women are not hydrated that much so oh gosh yeah I remember asking my friends like what did it feel like I asked them so many times beforehand and they they just you know they said like I wasn't sure if I peed or not so I'm thinking okay like it was a lot of it was a lot of fluid <laughs> maybe so anyway this the second time I was sure I remember I got dressed and then I woke my husband up like a little bit later and I just sat on the edge of the bed. Are you ready to drive to Pennsylvania? <laughs> and that was like his his one thing. I mean, he thought the whole thing was kind of nuts. And his one thing was he, he didn't want to be driving while I was in labor. I think at the end of the day it was a good plan. My labor was um, oh, six, six hours door to door, like water, oh. water breaking to when she was born. And Pennsylvania was four hours away through like New York City. So it was a great would have been six hours. Yeah, it was a great thing that we did not go because it could have been potentially a little more dangerous. (laughs) We tried to drive to Pennsylvania. Then we decided actually we're not doing that. We came back home. We put my stepson on the bus because it was 830 in the morning. (laughs) We said, you're going to have a sister day. Okay. And put him on the bus and the hospital actually from Pennsylvania called me, which I think was just like kind of the most amazing thing. They called me in this moment where we were like, I don't know what to do. And the doctor there got on the phone with me. Now, keep in mind, this man does not know me (laughs) at all, but he's heard of me. And we kind of briefly spoke about it. And he told me if they're not saying no, outright, like, that's good. That's a good sign. We talked a little bit more and he said, where are you? And I said, it's Yale. And he said, like, basically go for it. It's a great hospital. Go for it. Like, okay. (laughs) And, you know, he still told me like you have a 60 to 70% chance. I think that you would 
be able to burst vaginally anyway, like that you wouldn't end up in a C-section. So just keep that in mind. Great. I know it. I knew a lot of facts. And like, I'd love to talk a little bit about that if we have time too. just like the, the facts around breach. Because that was a huge part of my pregnancy in the end. We called my midwife and she said, when's the last time you ate or drank? Because, of course, they're even though they know I want to give birth vaginally, they're prepping for a C-section. I said, right now I'm eating almonds. <laughs> I'm <laughs> drinking water like I'm stuffing my face as we speak yeah yeah because I just like I knew I knew I'm supposed to eat okay and she said all right well, well just like chill with that you know stop that we we got there and I was five centimeters when we got to the triage room so I was already kind of there and I remember throwing up like as soon as we got there and I thought that that was a sign of like later time in labor <laughs> and then I was like are you know are we already there and so after that, it was really figuring out. It was really me like having to, I wouldn't say I had to push very hard for the vaginal breach because they knew, they knew it's like my background and they knew that's what I really wanted. Like for me, I had to check off these boxes of things that would be safe for her. So I can go into that later, but she had to be like under a certain weight. She had to be kind of in the right position. Her heart rate had to be really good and things had to be moving. Those were like the check the boxes that I mentally needed to check off to say like, this is safe. They gave her the ultrasound, which uh, she was frank breach, which is like folded in half. So bottom first. And when they confirmed that she was frank breach, I was like, great, it's a go. Everything's moving smoothly. They had two female OBs that were on call. So my midwife did not actually deliver her. It was like a conversation <laughs> between contractions where I checked in with my midwife about how she was feeling. And she said, you know, I'm here to support you, but that's like, that's beyond my scope. And so like, these are the people who will be delivering your baby. And I looked at the OBs and I think it was after the really serious conversation where they like had to tell me the risks of vaginal breach, which they did do. They looked very seriously. And then I asked them to give me the risks of cesarean because they seemed that they were going to skip that. They weren't going to mention it. <laughs> I knew like, okay, just give it to me. But I knew all those risks beforehand and I knew like the numbers of them. So um, I had to like sign some papers, you know, you're going against recommendation. And I looked at them and I said like, okay, like you have re breach experience. And they're like, yes. And I didn't want to know at that point how much breach experience because you want, like, it's not a lot. I know that it's not a lot. The, the hospital that I was going to try to go to in Pennsylvania had like 15 breach in two years. So imagine a hospital that never sees them. <laughs> like, I don't want to ask. So I just said, okay, you've done it before. Like, okay, we're good to go. And they kind of just like nodded with their eyes wide. Like, all right, yes. But they were like some, you know, cool, strong women that they said, okay. And they wanted me to give birth in the OR. That was like the concession, just in case anything would go wrong. And at that point, it was like beyond, it would have been beyond C-section. They told me that they could like make an incision and like push her out through there if she got stuck. What? Which I had never heard of. Yeah. Like in, an incision in your belly to push her out uh -huh. through your vagina. That's wild. Isn't that weird? Unless I misunderstood, but it wasn't a C-section. And or like maybe they would have to use forceps or something to get her out. So, yeah, they wanted me in the in the OR and, uh, you know, I said, OK, whatever, fine. They were already pretty nervous about it. So it was an interesting experience to sort of be making them less nervous about it. Like I didn't want the IV port in. I didn't get an IV, but they put the port in. They really wanted that just in case and they wanted the OR just in case. And 
they wanted me ultimately on my back too. Like that's the way they were comfortable. And originally that's not what I wanted, especially for breach. You know, I was like, they're comfortable with this and that's what I have to go with. So like, okay. In the end, it was totally fine. But yeah, so I was in the triage room at five centimeters. I think they checked me again and I was at seven and we went to the, like the regular labor room. And I remember they brought my husband on scrubs for the OR and he said like, when should I get into these? He said something about pushing. I don't know why. And I said like, oh my gosh, yeah, I think I need to do that. (laughs) I just (laughs) didn't know the, I was feeling the feeling, but I didn't know that's what it was. What you were feeling. Yeah. You're like, oh, actually, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. crushing sounds really great right now. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was. I think I'm doing that. Yeah, it was really interesting to to have things go so quickly because I was on my hands and knees like the whole time. I felt that I couldn't get out of that position, and I remember just like trying to rest, but the contractions were so quick, like they were like every thirty seconds. Like it felt like just I couldn't rest or whatever. And then I was like, I I feel like I need to push. I feel like it's time. So. They checked me and I was at nine centimeters and then they were like, okay, we got to get you to OR. Running you down the hall. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I can't get out of this position. So I was like on all fours being wheeled to the OR. I remember they're trying to cover me with like a sheet and I'm like, like, that's more annoying than anything else. Just leave me alone. It's fine. I remember telling them like, can you turn the lights down in the OR? Because I didn't want those like bright lights and they agreed to that. Yeah. So it was very much like everyone really was sensitive to what I asked, even though it was just like very different thing. I remember pushing on my side. My midwife said like, why don't you try your side? That worked great. And then they said, okay, it's time to go on your back. And I don't know. I really didn't want to hear that. But like I said, in the end, it was fine. It was a really easy position for me to feel the pushing. I think, I don't know, maybe like half an hour. I'm not sure of the actual timing. Yeah. I felt all her parts too, which was like an interesting (laughs) I just like felt her foot come out and her other foot and like her arm and her arms. And I didn't really feel her head come out because that it, it, by that part, like it just did kind of pop out like a regular head down birth, just the opposite. And I had watched like I, I kid you not, maybe 30 breach first videos. <laughs> like I knew exactly what it was going to look like. I had this vision of it. And so I knew it was happening. And yeah, she she came out and they put her on me and I was shocked, which I think most it seems like most people are. (laughs) (laughs) Like finally. (laughs) Yeah, there's a video that my midwife took and I'm just like looking at my husband with my mouth open and he's kissing me. It just like looks like he's giving me like mouth to mouth resuscitation. (laughs) I don't do anything. I'm just like. Stare at him with my mouth open, like, oh my God. Just in shock. Yeah. And so so that's that's basically it. I mean, she came out great. She was perfect. There was one other thing I was gonna say, and I'm forgetting at this moment. But yeah, that that's it. She came out and there was, you know, there were maybe like 15 people in the room. I'm not entirely sure I really had tunnel vision, but I know that it was an operating room full of people that would be there if I need an operation. The anesthesiologist was there and the midwife was there and there were two nurses, there were two OBs. You know, there was probably like a prep team <laughs> and everyone was like cheering at the end and congratulating me and it was very cool and like icing on the cake that other people in the hospital ended up like hearing about it. But, you know, they, the nurses would come in and be like, oh my gosh, you're a rock star. Like we had an unmedicated birth and it was breached. Like that's crazy. Everyone heard about it. My my nurse friend told me about it. She was in the room. <laughs> it was um, icing on the cake because 
the breach was, you know, the whole prep for breach was really mentally tough. And to have that be the outcome was like incredible. So that's the, that's the birth. (laughs) So what were the things that you, you were talking about like different statistics and research that you were doing to help you understand that like a vaginal breach birth was a safe option for you? Like what was some of that research and those numbers that you were looking at to help build your confidence? I think one of the most assuring things for me was when they talk about breach being unsafe, they're really talking about it being more risky than vaginal birth, which it is, but cesarean kind of trumps everything else in being the safest so you're not really comparing like it's almost like comparing apples to oranges like the c-section is going to be safer than head down birth too yes (laughs) but we don't c-section everyone right like we allow women to have that head down birth yes and so for me that was really like what i clung to and then i don't i was like trying to remind myself of the actual numbers before i got on with you guys But I want to say that it's like technically twice as risky to be getting the numbers wrong. So I don't really want to go for that. But I know that the numbers are still very small, if that makes sense. Like when you look at the the actual risk, it's like this is a random number, but like one in 100,000. Like it's a small number in the grand scheme of things. And so that also made me feel a lot better to the the sites that I really leaned into were there's a site called Breach Without Borders. Mm-hmm. They had a ton of videos and stuff. And they even have like the breach maneuvers like ready for you. I was ready to print them out and bring them to my midwives. Like, it was awful. I told my husband, like, you need to look at these and watch these videos just in case you have to be the one to do it. But that's a site that I lean into. And then there's this man, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. Yes. Who practices in California. Amazing man. Yeah birthing instincts and we had him on the podcast oh you do yeah he's amazing he's amazing yeah i was like very very close to writing him because i was so distraught he reads all of his emails so he would have read it and responded that's cool that's cool to know i'm ho- i'm hoping to write him now and say like had a successful one he teaches the reteach breach like, yes. whole class and i just took it oh, and you did mind-blowing Really? It's so mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so when you're talking about like the risks, like two times, yeah, two times when someone says like, oh, there's a two times risk with breach vaginal delivery, that might be scary for people. They're like, what? Like double the risk. But in actuality, like the numbers is, it's like one in 500 births are versus one in a thousand. Yes, So it's right. like 99.85% of breach vaginal versus 99. Nine yes, or something. Like yes. I'm, these are made up numbers, but like it's very small. Those numbers too are like when you look on the, the other side of the coin, you're like, oh, I have a 99% chance of this, 98% chance of this going fine. Like, yeah. duh, yeah, I'm going to go for that. That's amazing that you took three teach breach. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I, I was really relying on um, his list of criteria, like specifically loved his last one, which was like the right mental stuff. He said, yes, because that trust in your body and all that. And I don't know how to describe that that I had, but I did like it felt like it was very scary for my family and my husband for me to be like, it's going to be fine. Yeah. Like, I know it's going to be okay, And I'm not having a C-section because there's so much fear instilled. Yeah. Like breach, like something's wrong. That baby's in this breach position when it's just a variation of normal. Yeah. And the like the something's wrong feeling was very strong for me, like after I did the acupuncture. I did like they like burn mugwort at your pinky toe. It's ridiculous. Like I yeah. spent a lot of money on chiropractic care. 
I did the ECV. The ECV was painful. It She like sprung back like a rubber band. It was like not fun to do or to watch. Sure. And I remember crying after that ECV because I knew that like, okay, the next thing that they're going to say is C-section. And it felt like everyone was treating it like something's wrong with her. And nothing was wrong. Like she was perfect. Yes. And it made me, you know, at the worst points, it made me like upset at my unborn baby. Like, I'm like, why aren't you turning? You know, I'm flipping upside down. I'm doing spinning babies. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I'm stressed. And like, I just wish that for no one. No one should have that, you know? Yeah. 37 weeks. Exactly. (laughs) The stress involved with like finding out your baby is breached and like having no options is the sad part. Yeah. And it was really tricky because, you know, they're saying like, well, you can do it. But there are no providers that are comfortable with it. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was very, very tough mentally. So what else was on your list other than finding the right mental space? Like, I obviously, I know the list, but you share the list. So the first one was fetal weight. So she just had to be under a certain amount of grams. I think it was 3,800, but I'm not sure. So she was small. But I know that ultrasounds are sort of inaccurate, too. And so that seems like, oh, that's a, it's just a tough one that are just, like, really trying to get what they can get. But I did go for like a 30, 38-week ultrasound to confirm her weight. Okay. I needed that to birth at the hospital in Pennsylvania. So I needed, like that was part of what I needed. She, the second one was Frank or complete breach, which Frank is that like, I'm sure you know, but like the dumbbell, the fold in half with the butt presenting first. Feet by the face. Yep. And, or complete breach, I think his legs crossed in the front. Yeah, they're like cross-legged feet are down below the butt or like kind of in front of the butt. Okay. Yeah, so that complete. was the second one. And she was that way, which was great because I, I really thought that she I was cross-legged. I could feel her. I remember the night before I went into late rice and my sister like, oh, she's like kicking my cervix. Like I can feel her down there. Like she feels really low. And <laughs> turns out she was really low. Um, but okay, so that was the second one. The third one on Dr. Stu's list is adequate maternal pelvis, which I couldn't measure it. Like no one. It's funny because he says he says his list in the class in adequate maternal pelvis proven by like previous labors, really. Like, have you had a baby right. before? Okay. But really yeah. anyone with an adequate maternal pelvis is anyone with a pelvis. That's his definition. <laughs> right. like, so okay. you have a pelvis. Okay. It's an adequate okay, great. pelvis. You can do it. Because there's no way to know. Some people can have 11 pound babies through their pelvis. Yes. Some people can't. And that's why we usually are not going to grow a baby too big for our bodies. Right. An adequate maternal pelvis for him is, do you have a pelvis? And that's an adequate maternal pelvis. Unless you have some sort of history of like childhood illness or like pelvic injury where like they have rods and bolts within your pelvis, then that would be like, oh, maybe like maybe it won't be able to adjust during labor, but like he would still give you a chance. Yeah. And I mean, it moves, right? It shifts there. Like everything exactly. is opening. And I find it hard to believe that, right, our bodies would like grow a baby that we couldn't get out. Like That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that the pelvis thing was there. And I did try, I was trying to be like, do I need measurements? Do I know they used to do x-rays, but also they did those on your back, right? Also, there was no way, there was no way to get that. No one was going to give me a pelvis exam. So I kind of like, Okay, that one. (laughs) Just throw that one out. (laughs) Yep. The head being flexed kind of also threw that one out because when they did my 38-week ultrasound, 
ultrasound tech really couldn't see very much and didn't know like I asked what position she was in and you know she was like breach what type of breach but she didn't know so you know I mean baby would have to have something crazy wrong where they're able to like move their head from the extended to the flex position because that's what they have to do at that end is they need to be able to flex it to come out. Right. So not everyone probably knows what to even look for because that's not really a a requirement that ultrasound techs need to look for a lot of the time. So they probably wouldn't have even been able to tell you. Yeah, that makes sense. And I also thought that one would like, you know, happen in labor too. Like if they gave me an ultrasound during labor, we could We'll be able to tell. Yeah. And let's see. No fetal abnormalities is the next one, which she was good on. We didn't do any genetic screening or anything, but they also told us like they would let us know if something 37 to 42 weeks. So she was at 39, which is great. Spontaneous labor and reassuring heart rate. Those were the things for me that were like, oh, yeah, they're going. They're going great. (laughs) Yeah. Like when they checked me, I remember they asked if I wanted to check. And previously I... You know, I knew that cervical checks could go either way. They could lead to infection. I wouldn't have to do them. But at that moment, I was like, yes, I want one. Like, please tell me what's going on. And when I knew that it was going great and her heart rate was great, they said she was tolerating the contractions really well. So I did have continuous fetal monitoring, which, again, like things were going so fast. And at the end of the day, those silly belly bands did not bother me. I didn't even know they were there. And then the last one was the right mental stuff. Um, which I really felt like I had for better or worse, you know, I was really staunchly like, this is happening. We're doing this. And I did want unmedicated as well, but I was like kind of flexible with it. And I remember, I mean, it was really, I don't know. It was fine. Yeah, it was (laughs) intense. And my husband did like those hip squeezes. He had to keep doing them. And that got me through. But um, I remember also that someone mentioned like an epidural, not to give it to me because I didn't ask for it and they knew, but someone mentioned it and they said, well, you'd have to like sit still for 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> and I was at like yeah. seven centimeters. And I was like, how on earth would anyone do that right now? <laughs> it's not even in the realm of possibility. <laughs> but I was just, yeah, I was like, I really had what I wanted and I knew what I wanted. And I was just able to like powerhouse to get it done. And I, I felt like I could do that. So the mental stuff for me was like, okay, we can check that off too. So yeah, that's the that's the big list. But for me, I was I was waiting for the front breach positioning to really know that like I feel good about this. Uh, if she had been like, I don't know, they say footling is not really footling. Yeah, it's not. It's most likely complete. The feet just yeah. came out first because if you're thinking if they're cross-legged, their feet are the like at the bottom. They're gonna pop out first, right. and right. like there's like unless you are so preterm that like your uterus has so much room that your baby can be extended, that's the only time it's really foot length. But like if you think about a uterus, a baby at 39 weeks, like where are they gonna extend their legs? Like that's just yeah. impossible. Right. Like, right. And anatomically crazy. impossible that a baby is footling breach at 39 yes. weeks. Okay. I thought that too, because I was like, I was also very small. Like my belly was tiny. And so to imagine that she's standing up is like, no, that's not happening. Um, but when she was frank, I felt really good because I was a little worried. You know, I mentioned to my midwife that my only concern was that her feet would pop out before my cervix was fully dilated. You know, when she was confirmed bottom down, I was felt good to go. Yeah. 
yeah, so that's that's that. And I do want to mention that I found the hospital in Pennsylvania on the Breach Without Borders directory. Oh, that's awesome. They do have like really nice directories. Yes. And so that's how I found that. And it was it's a pretty incredible place. Like I talked to the midwife there to make sure they were real people really doing it. She was amazing. Yeah, just the fact that they're they're doing so much breach training there. It was really Really cool and very reassuring. And and for me, because I was trying to go against so many things of the system, it was, you know, it was like this like ray of hope. Like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm not crazy for trying to go to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And so, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your breach vaginal birth story on the podcast. I know other folks that are listening to it whose babies are persistently breached are going to have tons of information now to be able to navigate their own pregnancies and to find a provider that supports them or just kind of force their provider to support them if they feel safe doing that. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. This will be so helpful for a lot. Yeah, I hope that other other mamas can can really just lean into the fact that they can get more options or they can they can find those options and feel good about that. I think they will after listening to your story. So thank you again, Jessica, for sharing your story on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. When I was about a month postpartum with my second baby, I decided to start Mama Stay Fit's 16-week postpartum return to fitness program, and I so enjoyed it. This program is so thoughtfully designed to rehab your pelvic floor and your abdominal core while also progressing towards regular workouts. Um, I really struggle with pacing myself, and up until this point, I had never actually taken the time to learn how to properly engage my core and manage my intra-abdominal pressure, but this program did it for me and they also offer gentle frequent reminders of how important this postpartum period was to properly rehab and give yourself patience as you resume regular activities and by the end of the 16 weeks i was so happy with how i was feeling i was already lifting as much as i had been prior to my delivery with no pain and no symptoms so jessica shared about her struggles with finding a provider for a breech vaginal delivery that would support her choice of wanting to do a breech vaginal delivery and we're not in any way trying to support that everybody needs to have a vaginal birth if your baby's in a breech position but we are advocates for having that option available to somebody if they do want that some people may choose that a c-section is the better option for them and that is a totally valid choice but some people might want that option of having a breech vaginal delivery and that should be an option available to them. And if you find yourself in a position where your baby is in a persistent breach and you're looking to have a breach vaginal delivery, there is directories on Breach Without Borders of providers who will support a breach vaginal delivery. You can also reach out to them and they can kind of find somebody in your area, hopefully, that will support that type of birth. Thank you for listening to Jessica's story. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like and subscribe to our channel so you get notified whenever we release new episodes. We release new podcast episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. If you're pregnant and you're looking for more support from us throughout your pregnancy, you can join our online prenatal fitness programs and our childbirth education course. If you're postpartum, you can join our postpartum fitness programs to help you return to lifting after birth and our postpartum education courses that now include postnatal yoga, infant massage, and then also infant CPR. If you're a professional and you're wanting to earn CEUs and learn from our expertise, you can join our birth worker course and pre and postnatal fitness trainer course. And you can use code STORY10 to get 10% off any of our online offerings.